from heaven. We ask for today, today, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Release your grace in greater dimensions in our life, Lord. Lord, we are here because we are hungry for you. Lord, we are here because we are desperate for you. Lord, we know you are here and we reverence you, Lord God. We take our eyes away from every distraction. We focus on Jesus. We focus on Jesus. We focus on Jesus. Lord, I believe you. Lord, I trust you. Your word says that they that trust you are like Mount Zion that cannot be shaken. Those that put their trust in you, nothing will shake them. They will abide even forever. Breathe on us, Lord. Breathe on your people this morning, O God. Breathe your name upon us. Breathe Jesus upon every situation. We declare that this is an atmosphere of miracles. This is an atmosphere of glory. This is an atmosphere of healing. Rain on us, Lord. Rain your healing over us. Rain your anointing over us. Rain your power over us. And rain your grace over us. You said those who wait on you, their strength will be renewed by you. So we wait on you this morning. We wait on you this morning. Speak, Lord. Speak from your throne. Our ears are open. Our hearts are ready to receive, Lord. Hide me behind the cross this morning. Let it be you, all of you, and none of me, Lord. Speak to your people. Speak to your people, Lord. In Jesus' name, and the people said, Amen and Amen and Amen. You may be seated. I want to again thank the visitors or the honored guests. You're not a visitor here, you're a guest. I want to thank you so much for coming. And I believe God will speak to you today. I really believe that. And um, I really do want us to step it up again. We were doing it so well. For some, for some reason, we kind of slacked off. And that is to invite people to church. We need to start doing that. In fact, last night as I was in prayer, God put this before me in my, in, in my not vision, just a picture in front of me. And he said, you know, people put things that they want me to do for them. But no, nobody ever puts things that they want to do for me. So next year during our fasting, we are going to have two, two of these here. On one of it, you are going to put what you want God to do for you for the year. And on the other one, you are going to put on it what you want to do for the Lord for the year. Because God, I've been saying this, God is not our genie. Do we get saved? Do we know God because of what he can do for us? Or do we love him and serve him and know him just because of who he is? 
So those are some of the things, some of the questions when I go into the message we need to start thinking about. Because there is no time anymore, really. I don't know if you all are following the events in the world, but there is really no time. If you want to work for the Lord, if you want to do something for Him, if you were sent by God, as I said last week, there was a man sent by God and his name was John. There was Lily sent by God. There was everybody here sent by God. What were you sent here to do? That's something we all need to be thinking about. Our prison ministry this week, I was just blown away. Two women here went there. I know I was talking on Wednesday to Shirley Johnson and she was like, Pastor, please pray for me. You know, you could tell she was not too um, comfortable going to a prison with women. And they went and the pod where they ministered had 25 women. Two of our ladies here. Out of the 25 women, 15 got saved. Two women. Fifteen God saved. God is not looking for you to know it all. Let us be about our Father's business. People are hungry. This morning I was showing my sister, she's here from, the, from Nigeria. They are over the ministry, the TV ministry and everything we do in Nigeria. I just kept scrolling. I mean, the, the messages on WhatsApp you know, wanting to be prayed for, wanting to receive the Lord, letting us know that they got saved from watching the TV program. I mean, you just keep strolling, strolling, strolling. I'm like, I I don't have time to answer every one of them. And she says she's going to take that on while she's with me. God, people are hungry and God, don't look at, Jesus used only 12 people to turn the whole world around. We are more than 12 here. There's been a lot of things happening in this church that makes me know that God is in what we are doing. Christy ran to me on Tuesday when I came to the office. She's like, Pastor, I don't understand what's going on. For the last few weeks, we will count the money, all the amount is written on the envelope. When we count it, and then the money that we have, we count it. It doesn't match. We have so much more than what we have, we have here written down that was given. And some of them are checks. How does God multiply the money on a check? You need to hear of the miracles going on here among us. You really need to. Somebody gave somebody a car. Somebody, $70,000 of their school loan written off. I mean, there are things happening here that you really need to, you need to jump in. Don't sometimes we look at ourselves or we look at our circumstances or we look at everything around us and we say, no, just ordinary me. But God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God has never used the excellent things. God uses broken things, broken people, people that don't mean anything, that have nothing to give him so that the excellency might be of him and not of us. Are you hearing me this morning? Don't think you are too small. Don't think you are too little. Don't think you don't have the education. Don't think you don't have the money. You don't have the influence. You don't have the personality. God is not looking for that. 
All he's looking for is somebody who is a willing vessel. Once you are willing, all of that don't matter. Because it's not about you anymore anyway. It's about him. So this morning I want to talk about the pathway of the effective and fruitful believer. The pathway of an effective or the effective and fruitful believer. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 18. It says, but the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines even brighter unto the perfect day. So you get saved and God puts you on the path. Every one of you here, if you know the Lord, if you're saved, you are on the path. And the Bible says here that that path is like the shining sun. You already have Jesus, the Son of God. And he lights you up. The Bible says it's the light that comes into everyone who, got, who gets saved. So you already you are saved. You have a light strong enough to light your path for everything God has created you to be. And the Bible says that light doesn't get dimmer. You don't get saved and five, six years later you are no longer on fire for the Lord. He says that light shines brighter and brighter unto the perfect day. So as a Christian, the light you had last year, 2021, must not shine more than the light you have 2022. And the light you have now, before the end of the year, you need to re-examine yourself. And say, Lord God, has my light shown this year? What have I done for you? Each light shines brighter and brighter unto the perfect day. Ephesians 2, verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship. That's all you are. Created for God. You were created in Christ for what? For what? I want to hear you say it. You are created for good works. There are works that when God created you, he said, Ashley, this is the work I want you to do. There's a name to your work. Some people say, well, uh, God called me. Uh, when, he, when I didn't answer, he, he went to somebody else. Yeah, to some extent, because God's purposes will never be thwarted. But God forbid that God calls you to do a specific thing for him. And you don't do it. That he calls you to do something for him. You were created to do something specific. And you didn't do it. Think about it. Of these mighty ministers that we have, somebody led them to the Lord. Think about it. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This message today is to make, is to put fire under your feet. It's to challenge you, challenge me. Because if you come to church, I mean, our life has to mean something for the Lord. You cannot just be from month end, uh, beginning, you get your paycheck, you pay your bills, and it's a circle that repeats itself. You pay your bills, you, you eat, you drink, go to work, do whatever, come home, and it's just over and over and over, and the years are going by. 
And people are dying and going to hell. And you were sent by God for it. I mean, that scripture has changed my life. There was a man sent by God and his name was John. So that means my here, my coming here was a very deliberate design. God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, they had a meeting and said, we want to create a soul and her name is going to be Angela. And she's going to go into that family in Nigeria. And a certain time she's going to leave and come to the, America, to the US, USA. She's going to be getting married and these are the number of children she will have. At a point in her life she's going to be this. At a point in her life she's going to be this. The same thing for you. Do you even know? Have you even started on the pathway? Because really if you are not on that pathway you will never feel peaceful. You will never feel fulfilled. There's always going to be that thing you need and no, no money can fill it. No amount of sex can fill it. No amount of goods or whatever material things can fill it. It's a hole in there that only God fills. When you're in your purpose, it fills it and you feel at peace. You feel fulfilled. Pain will come, trouble will come, adversity will come, but you find out that you have a strength, you have a peace, you have a joy that nobody can understand. But even in the midst of it, you're fulfilling purpose. You're not just here to take up space. John 15 verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. You were chosen and appointed and ordained by God to bear fruit. Not to be dry and barren. And that your fruit should remain. That. That means asking God that whatever you ask my father in, in my name, he may give to you. So, he's saying here, you're asking and receiving from God is predicated on you bearing fruit that remain. That's powerful. So before you go to God and say, God, See all my needs? Do this for me, do that for me, do that for me. He's going to ask you, okay, what have you done for me too? What have you done for me lately? Is that a song? I know there was a song like that, right? What have you done for me lately? So, and he will ask you, what have you done for me too? Because he says here, go bear fruit, then your fruit should remain. That... So it's predicated on asking and receiving. It's predicated on you bearing fruit that remains. You see why I said next year we're going to have a box here that has your prayer request and that we're going to have a box here for what you're going to do for God. At the end of the year, we're going to see both. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So what is the problem? What is the problem? Why do we get two people that get saved on the same day? And you come five years later, and this one here has won ten souls to the Lord. Is on fire for God. Wants to do things for God. Is just, mm. And then this one, you have to call them every Sunday to come to church. There's always one thing or the other going on. They are not serious with God. 
There's, there's trouble, fear, bondage. They got saved at the same day, under the same ministry. What is the problem? What is the difference? Let me show you. Go to Daniel chapter... Let's start from Ecclesiastes first. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 15. It says, The labor of fools wearies them, for they do not even know how to go to the city. Let me explain what that means. I'm going from here to my house when I leave church. That's my destination. If I don't know how to get to my house, I'm going to get lost. I'll probably drive and drive and drive until my gas runs out. I'll be frustrated just because I've not taken the time to learn or put the GPS or learn the direction from the church to my house. So that's what he's saying here. We know there is a city. Every believer knows there's a, a, a destiny. You know there's a destiny for you. You know every one of us, have, whether you've been saved or not, whether you're following Christ or not, every one of us here has eternity inside of you. You're always striving to become a better person. You're always striving to do things better. Every one of us has that. So we know that we're supposed to do something better, we're supposed to become better, but how do we get there? If we don't find the pathway to do it, that's what he's saying here now. If you don't know the path to go to the city, your labor will be wearisome. And the person is almost like a fool because really, if you can take the time to learn the route, it's not going to be that easy, that easy, but then at least you know the route and you take the time and you, eventually you will get there, Right? So there's a pathway for an effective and fruitful life in Christ. Now let's go to my, my this is really my text that I will stay, I'm going to be about three weeks on this text. We'll do the first part today. Daniel 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 32. And I'm going to be focusing on the B part, but I'll read the whole, cha- the whole verse. It says, those who do wickedly against the covenant... He shall corrupt with flattery. The next one here, the beginning but, that's where my thing is. It says, but the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. The people that know their God will be strong and they will do exploits. So right there we have the path we're given to us. It's right there. It says the people who know. So it's knowing God, knowledge of God. And then it says they shall be becoming transformation. That's another point on that pathway. And then it says they shall do, King James Version says do great exploits, NIVs, uh, New King James says, carry out. So that's action. Action. Doing something. So the pathway of doing great exploits for God is knowledge, transformation, and action. If those three are involved and in, in, your, in, in your walk, in your pathway, you will be an effective and you will be a fruitful Christian. 
But if those three things are not there, you can have all the knowledge of God. But if you are not transformed, you ain't doing no exploits for God. And you cannot be transformed anyway until you really know God. And some people try to do things in their own power, like, oh, exploits, whatever. But believe me, if you don't know God and you've not been transformed, your character will show it. We have seen that over and over and over among ministers. Who, because of their charisma, they can talk and they can fake things. Everybody falls for it. But eventually, what you know about God and what has happened to you as as a transformed or not transformed person will bring you back to base. So it is important for every one of you here to begin to know God. Who is God? What is He like? What is His character? To begin to be transformed. We have the best teachers in this, in this church. My husband took three years to train everybody that stands in the pulpit here for Sunday school, for Wednesday night, for this, for me. He took his time and God has blessed us with tremendous teachers that will teach you the foundations of your faith, the principles of your faith. Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday school. But you have to make yourself available to it. You have to take your Bible and open it and say, God, show me who you are. I want to know you. Knowledge of God is crucial if you are going to be effective. Then transformation. If you know everything, but there's no understanding, and you don't let the word of God wash you and change your mind, the Bible says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. When your mind is renewed and you're transformed, you begin to see things the way God sees it. One plus one is no longer two. One plus one is now one. You now know that the Bible says, cast your bread upon the waters and many days will come back again from you. You say, how do I give away? And then it comes back to me. You begin to think the way God thinks. It says, give and it shall be given to you. Not just what you've given, but pressed down, shaking together, running over, men will give unto your bosom. You begin to understand the principles of God. You begin to apply it to your life. Your mind is now transformed. And then you begin to do. The Bible says, just don't be hearers only, but doers of the word. If you're just hearers only, guess what? You're deceiving yourself. And a man who deceives himself is the worst deceive. I mean, is the worst fool ever. So when you hear the word of God, and you know God, and it has transformed you, you put it into action. You do it. And the Bible says that is the pathway to becoming effective. So today we are going to talk about knowing God. I'll probably will stop with that today. A lot of people know about God. A lot of people. Oh, a lot of people know people that know God. Oh, that's Pastor Mike. When he's preaching in his deep voice, ooh, when he's praying, the anointing falls. They know he knows God and he can draw on the anointing. But how many people truly know God? Very few. That's just the honest truth. Very few people know God for themselves. 
Now, knowing God is not about how many verses you know, or you can quote. That's not knowing God. Knowing God is not about what God can do for you. Because, like I said, some of us, we think we know God, oh, because he's done this for me, he's done that for me, I pay my bills, he gave me money to pay my bills, he gave me a wonderful wife, a wonderful husband, I have a beautiful family. Is that all you know about God? And is that, why, is, that your own, is that why you're seeking him? Is that why you're in church? Because of what he can give to you? One of the day he doesn't give those things to you. What like Job? What if you lose everything? Job said, if in the days of adversity your strength fails you, you never had any strength at all. That means if you were serving God because of what he was doing for you and now he's withdrawn it, you really didn't know God at all. So when we talk about knowing God, what do we mean? Jeremiah 9, chapter 9, 3, so I didn't put this in, but please see if you can pull it up. Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. Jeremiah chapter 9. I want everybody to see it if you can get it for me, please. Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. And I'll start reading. It says, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. Let your glory in. Let your boasting be only in one thing, that you know God. Most of us are quick to boast about how much money we have, how much influence and power we have, how much things God has blessed us with. God says no. If that's where your glory and your boast is, you've missed it. Your glory, your boasting must be only in one thing, that you know God. And so knowing God is pivotal for you to be an effective Christian. For your life to mean something for God. So why do we have to know God? Why is it important? Hosea chapter 6 verse 3. It says, let us know. Let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like rain, like the latter and the former rain on the earth. The reason why you have to know God is if you know God, you are going to be continuously under the climate of heaven. You are continuously going to be saturated in God's spirit. You are continually going to be carrying his presence with you. There will be no dryness in your life. That's why we must know God. If you are a Christian who is always dry, always feeling like things are out of control, maybe it's time for you to really draw close to God and begin to know Him. So that He will begin to rain His power on you. So that He will begin to rain His peace on you. So that He will begin to rain His joy on you. And it says both former and latter. That means they are always there. 
He doesn't take it and take it away or give it and take it away. It's always there for you. The knowledge of God establishes the continuous reign of his presence over your life. Daniel chapter 11 verse 32, we read that before. It says, the people that know that God shall be strong and do exploits. You want to be strong? Then you need to know God. And because life will throw things at you. Believe me, I've been there. Life will throw things at you that if you don't know God, you won't stand. If you don't know God, you will cause him to his face. It's when you know God that you begin to understand that even when you are down, it doesn't mean it's over. Even when you are on the cross, resurrection is coming. Even if you are weeping right now, the Bible says joy comes in the morning. But you have to know that. You have to know that. If you don't know that, you're going to fall off. Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Knowing God gives you power. Knowing God gives you power. Paul that had done so much, wrote to thirds of the epistles, was known for his, for his pedigree, both by the believers and the unbelievers alike, still wrote here, that I may know him. What more did he want to know about God? That tells me that your knowledge, your search to know God is never over. I found that the more you know of God, the more you don't know. The more God reveals himself to you, the more you are realizing there is so much more of him that you don't know. The more he reveals one side. Now I can understand why when we go to heaven forever, eternity is not going to be boring. Because God is going to show you a dimension of himself, of himself all the time. The angels bow down before him and say, glory, 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 holy, holy, holy. Do you know why? Because every time they say one holy, God shows them another part of him and it's like they fall down again holy. There is always something to know about God. You can take one, I'm telling you a verse that has changed my life. I have read that Bible. Over and over and over and over. One day I read it. And there was a man. Sent by God. And his name was John. A man sent by God. God. So my situation here is not an accident. What I'm going through is not an accident. When you sent me. You, this was part of it. The Bible says those he foreknew. He predestined. He knew you. And predestined you and said, this is, this is what? Oh God, so this is not by accident. This is not the devil. This came from your loving hand. Because there's something for me to do. Oh, I'm not going to die. I'm not going to die. I'm not going to fold up and die. No, 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 no. I'm going to fulfill my destiny. Whatever I was sent for, I will fulfill it to the T. 
So let the enemy rage. Let God prune as much as he wants to prune. Let him discipline me as he wants to discipline me. I'm under his arm anyway. David said, God said, okay, choose your own punishment. He said, God, when I'm under your hand, I know you won't kill me. I'm under his hand. Whatever he allows, I know it won't kill me. At the end of the day, it's to fulfill destiny. The knowledge of God brings power. Power to perform signs and wonders. Power to be able to cooperate with God. Do you know what it is when God says go and you don't... Abraham, God said, leave everything you know and follow me. It was his knowledge of God that made him to go where he didn't know where he was going to. He didn't have a land. He didn't have directions. He didn't have GPS. But God said, come. And he just started going. You have to know God to do that. I mean, God will tell you to go kill your child. Are you going to do that if you don't know the God who is telling you? You won't do that. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 2. It says, grace and peace be multiplied to you. Grace and peace be multiplied. That's a key word. Multiplied, not added. Two times one is one, uh, two. But two times two is four. Are you getting me? God says, grace and peace will be multiplied to you. What? In the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ. You want grace? Grace is favor of God. Peace. We know what that is. When you are insulated on the inside of you, your heart is insulated. No matter the storm out there, I gave an example last time I preached here was like a, a ship on the sea. You might have waves, you might even have a little storm in the middle of the sea, but inside that ship, you are sleeping. You have a, a tennis court, you have swimming pools, you have a theater to go watch movies, you have like seven or eight restaurants. You are doing all your thing you are doing. The, 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 the ship is all, of, all over the place, but you don't know. That's what God wants for me and you. His peace that passes every understanding, that insulates you, so that even when you are in that storm, you are not moved. And the Bible says when you know God, that peace and favor begins to be multiplied in your life. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want that? And it just comes from knowing God. Because remember what the scripture we are working on. It says those who know their God, they shall be strong and they shall do exploits. So when you know God and you know all of this about him, then you are on your way to the pathway of becoming an effective and fruitful believer. So what do we need? What are the essentials? We've talked about why it's necessary to know God. Now, let's talk about the essentials. The ingredients that's needed for you to have, for you to know God, for God to reveal himself to you. Let's put it that way. What do you have to have for God to reveal himself to you, for you to know him? Number one, it's found in James chapter 1, verse 21. It says, Therefore, Lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness or receive with humility 
the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So humility and meekness is an essential that we must have for us to know God, for God to begin to release himself or reveal himself to us. If you are humble enough to say, God, I don't know. If you are humble enough to say, God, believe me, I really don't know what I need to know. There's nothing more frustrating. You know that, I know that. You're talking to your child. You know they don't know what they're talking about. But they're trying to tell you they know just because they don't want to do something or whatever. And their mouth is so strong. I have a child like that. <laughs> he, will tra- he will argue. He will try and get out of that just because he doesn't want to admit he doesn't know. And he's looking at me right now, straight at me. So he's like me in a lot of ways. So that tells you the way me and God talk sometimes. We just, you don't know it. You don't just tell me I don't know it so I can show you. But some of us are like that. It's like going to God and say, I don't know. It's almost like, it's a, pride, it's a prideful thing. When you go to God, believe me, you know zit. You don't know anything. Because like I said, the more you begin to know God, the more you realize you don't know nothing. When God takes a scripture that you've known years and years and years, and something jumps and you're like, I've read this before, but I told you you didn't know it. You have to be humble. When you pick up this Bible, say, God, please. I'm doing my devotions today. Please, God, even if only just one word, you open my eyes to Lord, I want to know you. Hunger for him. And that's the second one. The humility and meekness. Number two. Matthew chapter 5 verse 6. It says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. If you are not hungry for God, you are not going to search for Him. If food is more important to you, sleep is more important to you than searching and knowing God, you are not going to have it. Knowing God, you have to be willing to lay some things aside. You have to be willing to sacrifice sometimes your sleep. You have to be willing to sacrifice food. You have to be willing to sacrifice conveniences. You have to be willing to sacrifice a lot for God to trust you and open himself to you. God loves people too much to open himself to you for you to destroy their destinies. If God is going to use you to open people's destinies for them, ah, <laughs> he will vet you. And the way he vets you is how you pant and hunger and thirst for him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm, I'm really speaking from my heart this morning. Hunger. As the deer pants after water, so my soul pants after you. I long for you. Everything you are hungry for, anything you have an appetite for, that's where your life will go. I will say that again. Anything you hunger and have an appetite for, that's where your life goes. 
If you are somebody who is an alcoholic, no matter what it is, you're going to find a way to get that alcohol. If you love God and you want to search for Him and you're hungry for Him, that's where your heart will go. And that's when God will open Himself to you. Hunger and thirst for the right things of God, for the righteousness of God. The next one, the, la- the third, before I go, I don't have too much time. Intimate fellowship with God. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. But we all, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as of the Spirit of the Lord. So, when you have time this morning... Uh, Pastor Mike Murray was talking about it during Sunday school. That intimate fellowship, that word intimate, the word there is koinonia. It's actually the, the kind of relationship between a husband and a wife. That's what he's talking about. That you and God, you so know each other, you're so intimate with each other, it's almost like a man knows his wife. So that you can, you can tell how God deals with you. You can tell how God speaks to you. You can be in his presence and you can sense. Just like when you spend time with somebody, someone long enough, even their expressions, you know what they mean. When they say something, there's a meaning behind it, you get it right away. When you are that hungry, when you spend that much time with God, he will begin to reveal himself to you. So how do we know God? I have four minutes. I will just go as long. Next week we're going to continue from here and go into transformation. So how do you know God? Because God can be known. God wants us to know him. He wants to open himself to you, to you, to me, so we can know him because he has a job for us to do. And I'm saying this again. If you're here and you can Truly, honestly, with all humility, say, Lord, I I really don't know why you brought me to this world. If you haven't found that, it's time for you to go on your face and say, God, please, I don't want to just live through life and pass from this world. Or if you tarry or when you come, I don't have anything to show for what you've done for me. Really, everyone needs to go home today. This whole week, spend time with the Lord to say, God, what is it that you created me for? There are four ways to know God based on scripture. I'm just going to give it to you and then we're going to close and I'll touch more on it next week. Four ways by scripture. The first one is by revelation, scriptural revelation. Number two is by the names of God. And God showed me something this week that The names of God, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rohi. You too can have a name for God. You can go through an experience and have a name for God too. You too can have a stone of memorial for God. We'll go through that next week. Then the third one is by looking at Jesus. Just reading through the Gospels and knowing Jesus, seeing what Jesus did, because Jesus became the express image of God. The Bible says in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word 
was God. So if you want to know God, study Jesus Christ. Everything Jesus did, that's God doing it. So you can tell that Jesus loved so much. God loved so much. The woman that was caught in adultery, when they brought her and everybody had a stone, everybody, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the people of the law, and he said, he that has no, no sin, be the first one to cast a stone. And nobody could. That's God showing you that he loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you unconditionally. So you can read that and say, man, this is how much God loves me. This is how much God loves a sinner that was caught in the sin. So you can know, G- know God by studying the life of Jesus. And then the fourth one, the fourth way to know God is through your own experiences. Through your own experiences. In fact, sometimes that's usually even the best teacher sometimes. Because sometimes you don't want to take the time to read scripture. Sometimes you don't want to take the time to study God or his names. But God has something for you to do and time is going. God will begin to fire you some things. You begin to go through some things you think God wants to kill you. But the reason is because he wants to quickly get you to know him so that he can use you. So today we're going to end here today. Next week we're going to continue the ways to know God and from there I will go into transformation, becoming, being. No child just is born today and the very next day you see that child running around. That child has to drink some milk And then they start to put some cereal in the milk. Then they start to introduce solid foods. Then they start to give him meat. And eventually they'll give him a chicken with a bone. And he knows how to manipulate and eat that chicken and throw that bone away. It's the same thing with you when you get saved. There's a process of transformation you have to go through. And that process of transformation is to refine you. God will refine you. If you go out, if I, if I, if I wear something like, like a diamond or gold, you don't, pick, you don't pick gold from the floor. And when you see diamonds or gold in the original state, you don't want to have anything to do with it. But it takes a process to heat that thing up, remove the debris, polish it, Stick it in the fire, bring it out, polish it before it becomes that shiny, beautiful diamond or gold that you want. It's the same thing with you. So when you get saved and you choose to remain a diamond in the rough, that's not, the, that's not God. If you get saved and your anger issues is not taken care of, you've just refused to be transformed. That's what it is. If you get saved and you're still doing everything you did before you got saved, You've not been transformed. God cannot use that believer. If you are still the drama king or drama queen in your family, and you put put stuff on Facebook about Christ, you're just deceiving yourself. Because once you get saved, there's a transformation that happens. The old man dies, and the new man comes up. So we're going to stand up and we're going to ask God. Everybody stand up. This is a challenging message for me and for you. It's time to start reviewing our lives. 
It's time to start taking notes. Because like I said, things are happening fast. Things are happening fast. People are hungry for this gospel. And we cannot afford to know God and be sitting down Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and you're not... Not so you can say, I led this person to the Lord. Or I invited this person to church. Or I know for a fact that my life is the reason why this person is on fire for the Lord. That's a question everybody will ask. That's the question God is asking me. What have you done? What can you do more? This is not a time to be satisfied. When there's so much to do. So if you're here today and you're like me saying, God, I want more. I want you to come out here. And I'm not gonna, you are just going to come out here and tell God, God, you have to give me more. God, I'm tired of playing church. I want to know you. I want my life to mean something. And please don't just let it be just today, Sunday, today, today. No, 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 no. Go home and write it down. They say, write the vision and make, the, make it clear. What, do I, what can I do for God? Even if it's just God, every day I'm going to go in the grocery or when I go to the gas station, when I'm filling my gas, I'm looking for who is next to me to just say, Sir, ma'am, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. I hope you know Jesus because the world is coming to an end. Even if they shut the door against you, you've done your job for that day. If you still go to the grocery store, you're looking for just one person. If you do one person a month, in one year you've talked to 12 people. If you talk one person a month, we eat three meals a day. God is asking you one person a month. One person a month. And you don't know who that person is. You might be the one that has saved that soul from living eternally in hell. But you have to open your mouth. You have to open your mouth. You have to open your mouth. We don't have time anymore, people. We don't have time. It cannot just be about paying my bills, eating, drinking, going to sleep. God bless me. God give me. God expand me. No, it's not about you. It's not about you. God is looking for people that, he says the laborers are few. He says the harvest is plenty. Two women, two women went to the prison. Two, 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 two. Two, two, and let it take people to the Lord in one evening. Two women. Two women. Two women. If you have to give up food, give up food for three days. Give up food for one week and say, God, you must do it for me. If you say, stay up all night to pray and seek my face, Lord, I will stay up all night and pray to seek your face so he can open himself to you and show you what you can do for him. What will it suffer you? If you gain the whole world, become a multimillionaire, you lose your soul. And you go before the Lord empty-handed because all you were doing was pursuing your own comfort. 
Life is more than food and drink. Life is more than how much money I have in my account. Life is more than the pleasures I can build up. At the end of the day, it's what you've done for the Lord that we stand. Everything else will be burnt away. Only what you did for the Lord that we stand. Raise your hands this morning. Father, purge us of ourselves. Purge us of us. Take everything that is not of you out of me. Take everything that is not of you out of every woman, out of every boy, out of every girl. Jesus said, the things that my Father has not planted will be uprooted. Everything in your life that is not pleasing to God today, I ask you, Father, uproot it in the name of Jesus, me included, God. Let our lives be sold out to you. Let our lives be sold out to you. Let the passion of our hearts be to win souls to the kingdom. Father, don't let us be comfortable until we've spoken to those who don't know you. For you said if we seek after you, if we seek after the kingdom, all the things we do two jobs to get, five jobs to get, you will add them all to our lives. It is you that matter, God. It is you that matter, God. It is all about you, Lord. And about winning souls because you don't wish that any man will perish, but that all should come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord God, see us with our hands raised. We are just flesh. We are just dust. But Lord, we say if you can use this vessel here, Lord, use me. If you can use me, use me. Let everything about my life be about you, Jesus. Let my breath, Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of the Father who sent me. Father, let meat not be more important than your will for my life. Let food not be more important. Let money not be more important. Let comfort not be more important than your will for my life. Let my meat be that, doing your will and why you sent me to this life. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you praise. We give you glory. Lord, I ask for strength for everyone that's standing right here with their hands raised to you. I ask that you strengthen them in the inner man. With all power, with all might, to go through with what they are telling you right now. Strengthen them. I come against every plan of the enemy in your life to make you distracted. I come against every deception in your life in the name of Jesus. I surround you with the power of the Most High God. I ask that the Holy Spirit begin to speak to you and give you ears that will hear. Eyes that will see and heart that will understand. I speak into your life this morning. Glory to glory. Your life will become brighter and brighter. To the glory of God in Jesus' name. Father, as we live, we don't leave your presence. You said you are always with us. Let your peace, let your joy, let your favor be upon our lives. As we go, Lord, we know you are with us. 
goodness and mercy follow you all the days of your life. The face of the Lord is shining upon you today. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you need to be prayed for for healing, 